the conversation went something along the lines of me asking the young lady whether she prayed uh, and being told, no, no, never. So then I followed up by saying something like, uh, so you don't ever talk to God? To which she said, oh yes, I do talk to God. Hmm. Well, that was one of those moments when I realised that two people can be having a conversation using words that are generally understood and yet both completely misunderstanding what the other is saying. And I think that that sort of thing probably happens quite a lot. You know, where I understand that prayer is all about talking to God, <clears throat> she was thinking that prayer had to do with reciting particular words and phrases as part of some religious ritual. Where I was thinking about you know, having a, a conversation with God, she was thinking about Hail Marys and Our Fathers. And she certainly wasn't alone in thinking that sort of thing. Well, when Jesus taught his students to pray, on a number of occasions, he told them the sort of things that they should say. But I'm sure that he wasn't intending for them, or for us, to simply recite the words in some rigid, repetitive, maybe ritualistic fashion. Rather, he was, he was giving them direction, some sort of framework for their words, and he certainly wasn't intending them to limit their prayers to a, a handful of lines learned by rote. I mean, it wasn't as if the disciples of Jesus had never prayed before. They would have grown up within a culture in which prayer was an important and regular practice. It's true that many of the religious people, including the likes of the scribes and the Pharisees, it's true that many of them prayed long and loud just to be seen as virtuous in the eyes of others. Um, they were simply hypocrites. I mean, they were pretending to be holy, even though there was nothing truly holy about them at all. But the students of Jesus would have prayed often before, both in the synagogue and at home, I'm sure. They may well have prayed by reading the Psalms, and they may well have recited other Jewish prayers with integrity and devotion. But now they were asking their rabbi to teach them to pray just as other rabbis taught their disciples. So Jesus said to them, when you pray, say this, Father, May your holy name be honoured. May your kingdom come. Give us day by day the food we need. 
forgive us our sins, for we forgive everyone who does us wrong, and do not bring us to hard testing. Now, I don't suppose that that sounds particularly radical to us today. We may not be familiar with that particular version. I've taken that from the Good News translation of, uh, of Luke's Gospel. But I imagine we've been in gatherings where what is commonly known as the Lord's Prayer has been recited or maybe mumbled, and you might have been tempted to wonder whether anybody present actually knew what it was they were doing. A number of years ago, the UK's three leading cinema chains refused to show an advert that featured the Lord's Prayer. Their concern was not that it was radical, indeed it has long been a part of British religious culture. Their concern was that it might upset or offend people. I'd rather suspect that their refusal to show the advert offended a good deal more people, but that probably wouldn't have concerned them. No, 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 this this teaching on prayer, for that is what it is, this, this teaching on prayer is generally not seen as being particularly radical today. But when Jesus first taught these words, well, that was completely different. Some who listened might well have been shocked, and I rather think that if we listen particularly carefully to these words, there might well be something in there that we might find rather shocking too. And we don't even need to look past the opening word to find the first hint of radicalism, if you like. When you pray, say, Father. Isn't that amazing? I mean, it isn't that Israel had never spoken of God as Father, but there is an intimacy about the fatherhood of God in the teachings of Jesus that is simply outrageous. Through the prophet Jeremiah, God had said many years before, For I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. So the idea of God being the father of the nation is not particularly uncommon within the pages of the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament scriptures, but it is much less common for God to be addressed by the people as father. There is, even among Jews today, a prayer recited in the days leading to the annual Jewish holy day of Yom Kippur. It's been described as the oldest and most moving of all the prayers of the Jewish year. The prayer is called, Our Father, 
our king, a name derived from a couple of texts from the book of the prophet Isaiah. And the first of these texts reads, For you are our father, even if Abraham would not know us or Israel not recognize us. You, Adonai, are our father, our redeemer from everlasting is your name. And then each line of this Jewish prayer begins with the phrase, our father, our king, and it's repeated over and over and over and over again to the point that it really doesn't sound particularly personal at all. When it comes to the God-given Jewish book of prayers, the, the book of Psalms, the word Father occurs only four times, and not once is it used in the form of an address. But when we hear Jesus pray, virtually every time his words are recorded, he addresses God as his Father. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Father, save me from this hour. Father, glorify your name. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Prayer had never been heard this way before. But such was the experience of God as Father that dominated the public life and teaching of Jesus, from the Jordan River to the, the cross on which he died. So when it came to Jesus teaching his disciples to pray, not only does he address God as his Father, but he teaches them to do the same. And this was indeed radical. There's a, a very real sense of familiarity in addressing God as our Father. And it's a familiarity that lies at the very heart of the, the message of Jesus. The one who died that we might live and that we might live having been born of God. Towards the beginning of the fourth gospel, John says that to all who received Jesus, who believed in his name, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Isn't that amazing? 
And this is why we can uh, speak to him in this way and, and, and call him our father in just the same way that Jesus did himself. Now, I'm sure that there are some who might argue that familiarity breeds contempt, and perhaps that is why Jesus taught us then to say, May your holy name be honoured. May your kingdom come. For God is not only our Father, he is our Holy Father, and he is King of all creation, and his sovereignty knows no bounds. And the fact that he is all holy, that he has absolute sovereignty over all, that he brought all things into being and holds all things together by the power of his word, the fact that he is all these things makes it that much more amazing that we should be able to call him Father. But such is the glory of the, the good news of Jesus. Such is the, the privilege, the, the blessing of being in him. This, this father-child relationship into which we have been called in Christ is, by definition, a most intimate relationship. It lies at the very heart of God's purpose for humanity. And this is what the Apostle Paul later wrote about to the believers in Ephesus. He said, because of his love, God had already decided that through Jesus Christ he would make us his children. This was his pleasure and purpose. Let us praise God for his glorious grace, for the free gift he gave us in his dear Son. Yes, Paul says, this was his pleasure and purpose, that we should be his children. So the idea that God would want us to speak with him using words we had learned by rote, you know, reciting set words and phrases as you know, part of some sort of religious ritual, the idea that God would want us to speak with him like that is quite simply absurd. It's ridiculous. That is not the way Jesus taught us to pray. That's not the way relationships work. But of course, Jesus did teach us to pray. He taught us to speak with God as a child speaks to a loving father. He taught us to speak with God honouring his holy name. He taught us to speak with God, acknowledging his absolute sovereignty. 
And then he taught us to make our requests known to him, to, to ask him to provide us with what we need to live, to ask him to forgive us for our wrongdoings, just as we forgive those who have wronged us, to ask him not to lead us in ways that we will find overbearing. But it was never meant to end there. Our loving Holy Father will never tire of hearing from us. He longs to hear from us and he longs to bless our lives in ways that we probably cannot even begin to imagine. You know, I don't think that I really truly began to understand the pleasure that God has in giving good things to his children until I had children of my own. Yeah? I, 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 I don't think I really began to understand that properly. It, to me, it's one of the, the great blessings of having children and now even having grandchildren. Yes, yes, yes. Wonderful, wonderful. Would, would, would any of you who are fathers give your son a stone when he asks for bread, Jesus once asked? Or, or would you give him a, a snake when he asks for a fish? Hmm? Well, of course you wouldn't. Of course not. Well, as bad as you are, Jesus continued, you know how to give good things to your children. Well, how much more then will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And he'll do that because he loves us and because he has pleasure in giving us good things. So let us never tire of speaking with our loving Father. Let us walk with him day by day, step by step, speaking with him along the way. Share with him your thoughts, your fears, your hopes, your joys. Fill his ears with all that's on your heart, for he loves to know you and he longs for you to know him too. Through Jesus we've come to be the children of God and as children let us find love and joy and peace in the presence of our loving Holy Father. And let us pray, not as those who find comfort in their rituals of religion, but let us pray as those who find strength and, and, and blessing and joy in our loving, intimate relationship with the Father. Well, I don't know, maybe there's been something there for us to, to think about today. May our loving, holy Father in heaven forever find joy in the words that we speak to him. 
May he give us strength along the journey of life as we walk day by day in the steps of Jesus, speaking with him along the way. May he fill our hearts with his love as we grow in our relationship with him, learning of his never-ending love for us and the joy of being in our presence as we have joy in his presence. And may he bless us abundantly so that we might truly be a blessing to those among whom we live. Thank you.